Hello and welcome back to A Better World. This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again today. Today, we will be speaking about uh, what many have called, scientists and others, the greatest threat to all life on the planet. Sounds rather dramatic, doesn't it? Well, if you look and follow the thread of what has happened to our ecosystem over the past several hundred years, which is an extremely short period of time next to geologic time, next to ice age time, uh, we see that the destruction of systems has been ongoing and penetrating down deep all the way to fungus, bacteria, amoeba, and all the way up to our ozone layer. So you could say the entire spectrum of life on the planet and around the planet has been jeopardized by anthropogenic sources. What's that? Well, you know what it is. It's man-made pollution and ongoing mining of the uh, systems in every single way from fossil fuel mining to gold mining to platinum to lithium. On it goes. It doesn't mean that none of those could take place at all. That's not the point. The point, though, is our relationship ultimately to the Earth and what that looks like. And whether we see Earth simply as a commodity to be mined for personal profit or as a living being that we can befriend and align with and make use of her valuable elements in a kind, eco-friendly, and sustainable way. That's the way I would like to frame it. And it was interestingly pointed out to me that back at the turn of the 20th century, that the use of oil, of fossil fuels was actually the environmental choice of the time. Interesting perspective, um, meaning that uh, at the time, whale oil was used to um, light up houses and factories and the like, and whales were being killed and beached and everything for their oil and, of course, for their blubber. And uh, there was a huge, huge dent, that's not an adequate word, for what happened to the whale population back then. So the use of fossil fuels was seen as a step in the right direction where we could heat our homes and run our cars on something other than needing to kill whales. So having perspective on these things is pretty interesting. That was really illuminating for me to learn about when I did just a couple of months back. Um, and yet, when there are other advances, we want to take advantage of those, and we have them now, which means that fossil fuels like whale oil can go by the wayside. We don't need it, not like we did back then. Uh, there may be some 
you know, relatively marginal use of some of it somewhere sometime. But what we've really got going now is wind and solar and geothermal and tidal and any number of other incredibly thoughtful ways, taking waste of all sorts, whether that's um, uh, cattle waste, hog waste, human waste, turning it into uh, electricity and other kinds of fuel. Uh, I remember an old friend of mine said, you know, there are all of these spas all around and gyms, and there are 50 bicycles lined up, and at 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock, people are finishing their midtown and downtown office work, corporate jobs, and they want to work out, and they go to these gyms, and they're bicycling and bicycling and bicycling like mad. What if we were to harness that man and woman power to uh, a storage system where we could then utilize that as electricity? A, I thought that was a rather clever idea. But this is the kind of innovation that's happening all over the planet, thankfully, and we really do have alternatives. We really do. We have to have the political and economic will to go further. In fact, uh, the tides have really changed, and it is now less expensive to generate uh, renewable energy in the form of uh, wind turbines, wind energy, and solar and geothermal than it is to actually mine and the full process of fossil fuels. Wow. And it's happening. The tides have changed. There is about 10 or $11 trillion or more that are in the renewable energy space worldwide. Money invested in promoting, promulgating, manufacturing, and selling renewable energy. So business has caught on. It took a while. It wasn't overnight. It's been going since the early 60s. Uh, my dear friend and colleague, Hazel Henderson, futurist, green economist, evolutionary economist, has been foreseeing this future of a renewable-based economy instead of a fossil fuel-based economy for a long time. And it's brilliant what she has come up with and the way she has helped to see this through. And now the buzz is out. It's been going now for many years, and it's really continuing to gain momentum. So to see the threat, well, we're almost exhausted from hearing about the threat. Enormous parts of the Arctic breaking off from the glaciers and melting into the sea. Greenland, the same thing. Iceland, the same thing. The Antarctica, the same thing. Sea levels are rising. Heat is increasing. July has gone down on record since records have been kept of temperatures worldwide as the hottest month of all time. Just this July. We're just in August right now, August 16th. Yet, this is our true reality. 
And we're not talking just about heating. We're talking about extreme weather. Because when you throw off the ecosystem that is so delicately uh, arranged and so intricate in that, even the mosquito and the ant and the fungus and the amoeba are part of the entire larger system. And each one of these, whether we may like a mosquito or not, is playing a true significant role in the larger system. And if we do things to annihilate species, which we are doing and have been doing, and there are, they say, a million different species at risk right now, then we are literally destabilizing our entire planet's ecosystem. It's actually been destabilized, and uh, it just takes a while for it to catch up. It's sort of like the Titanic. You know, there's a tiny little um, hair-sized leak in one part of the ship, but with a little time, It starts to expand, and a little more time, and it expands further. Well, now that ship is rattled with water on the deck, and the chairs are flying, and dinner has been stopped, and people are jumping into rafts and lifeboats. Well, that's where we are just about now. Not quite. However... That water is seeping into our ecosystem as it did in the Titanic. That is completely alarming. And there are brilliant environmental scientists, some of whom we've had on the show, such as Guy McPherson, who have said, the clock has tuck. Basically, it has ticked out. And yes, of course, there are measures we can take. Of course there are. Uh, But... So much damage has already been done. We're, well, a sinking ship. All right, back to the good news. I told you, everything follows money, just the way it is. Follow the money trail. If you want to understand what's going on in the body politic, follow who is making money on what, and you will come to an understanding of why certain choices are being made. It's all, folks, about money. And what is money? Money is life force. Money is energy. Money is a measure of control and of power and of authority. Whether we like it or not, that is largely what it is on this planet at this time. So if somebody is talking from money, they are talking from a a position of strength. And there are many other forms of power I always like Seat of the Soul and by Gary Zukov to talk about different types of power, what we call in uh, Chinese medicine about qi power, uh, you know. So there truly are many different levels of it, and I don't at all subscribe to the idea that money is the only power at all, except it's an obvious one, and it's an apparent one, and it's one that has great truck in our society. So I have to give it... It's proper due. So, in this light, when money starts to flow into 
green projects and renewable energy, we see that we have a true tide turning. And that is what we have. And it doesn't matter who's president, and it doesn't matter who's the head of the EPA. They are slowing it down. They are making everyone's life worse. They are jeopardizing species. They are jeopardizing um, those on the uh, the uh, wildlife extinction list. Um, and it's pathetic what's going on, and I'm nauseated by it, to tell you the truth. However, the larger, longer arc is that uh, there is a sea change happening, no pun intended, on many levels, and um, we want to pay attention to what we can do to make a difference. And there are literally millions and millions and millions of people who are doing fantastic things all over the planet. And at this moment in my talks, I like to cite Paul Hawkins' Blessed Unrest, in which he cites so many organizations, B corporations, C corporations, nonprofits, NGOs, governments that are absolutely geared toward changing things around and are taking actual steps to make that happen. Last year in September, I was out in uh, San Francisco at the climate change conference that was put on by then Governor um, Jerry Brown and by former Mayor uh, Michael Bloomberg. And it was one heck of a conference. So it lasted for a week, and that wasn't enough time to tell all of the good news, let alone the other news, the good news about what's going on on the planet, on the level of localities, the level of governments that, not ours, uh uh-uh, but others, um, smarter ones, uh, that are taking tremendous steps in reducing the carbon footprint of their own respective localities. So I am encouraged. Rome very much remains on fire and getting hotter. We have the statistics to show it. I don't want to see it. I don't want to be able to show it, but it's true, and we have to digest this and then take steps to turn it around. So one is getting solar on your roof if you have a house and you have control of that. There are also um, individualized uh, wind turbines that are now available. Uh, There is uh, something I discussed with Uh, Dr. Dennis Bushnell recently, NASA scientist, senior NASA scientist, called halophytes. And he believes that the continued and expanded use of halophytes, which are seawater plants, is itself truly the solution to all of our climate change, global warming issues. And that may well be the case. I mean, he's a scientist. I'm not. I would want to supplement it with all the other amazing and numerous initiatives that are taking place. Uh, But at least knowing that there's sort of a a scientifically based bottom line of what we can do to provide for 
sequestering massive amounts of carbon and at the same time providing massive amounts of healthy, nutritious food by using what is 97% of our water supply on planet Earth, and that's salt water. That's right, folks. We only have 3% fresh water, and about 1.5% of that is going to commercial agriculture, both growing monocropping and corn and soy, a lot of which is going to the commercial cattle and hog industries, um, sad as that is. And these are producing vast quantities of methane. And uh, I'll tell you about a solution to that in a moment. But uh, the use of the fresh water, only 3%, going to those industries is abominable and unconscionable and should be outlawed. But it won't be. It won't be. So what can intelligent, sensitive, thoughtful people do? They can turn their attention to halophytes. They can turn their attention to um, organic um, and silvopasture grazing animals the way the native peoples did it, the indigenous peoples all over the world, Turtle Island included, uh, which is a humane and respectful way of dealing with animals, um, even as food. In fact, there is another very large body of literature about the grazing of animals on the prairie uh, that does an enormous amount for carbon sequestration that has not gotten any public notice or media. Um, but if meat eating is going to be part of your dietary platform, there are ways of doing it that are completely not only eco-sensitive, but eco-friendly and uh, regenerative, soil regenerative. So there are lots of myths and stories out there about this, but the uh, literature is voluminous, and it will be on our site soon. The work of Hunter Lovins and others has helped to make this clear. That is Amory Lovins' wife, who we had on the show many years ago when her book came out uh, called Climate Capitalism. And it just, that needs to be understood. But let me just go back to the halophyte question is something that we can all participate in and make a difference around. And um, something back home, very interestingly, is another project A Better World is deeply involved in, and that is on seed, that some of which seeds are ancient, Others are not, but they are combined in a patented formula and blend and ratio very precisely that has extraordinary eco-benefits. One, it needs 75% less water than ordinary grass. It needs no fertilizer. It needs to be mowed, if at all, once every four or five or six weeks. It sequesters carbon at 8 to 10 times normal grass. So 
these are extraordinary benefits. They are mosquito and insect repellent by nature, literally organically repellent. So their use at places like airports are phenomenal because it stops the, um, the bird problem because the birds flock to airports to eat the insects off the grass. But if the grass that's growing have no insects, have, have no insects, then the bird kills will reduce and the number of accidents caused by birds on air, uh, airways will be, uh, runways will be reduced. So it's, an, again, another eco-cycle, ecosystem that we have serious real answers to. The pesticide runoff into our waterways across the country are the most serious part, a pollution part of our water systems. And if you don't need pesticides because your grass, well, you just don't need them. Um, and the grass outcompetes the current grass and weeds that are there, you have a winner. You, each person who has a lawn and there are 45 million square miles of lawn, irrigated lawn, on in this country, in the United States alone. And if we were to use this particular lawn seed in these places, um, we would have some major sequestration going on, and we would have major fresh water conservation taking place and we would be stopping the pollution taking place right now in our waterways. So these are just a handful of ways. And yes, uh, a larger plant-based diet could very well be one of the true answers as well right along the other one. So it doesn't have to be exclusively plant-based, but it could be largely plant-based, it shows up again in the literature as being one of the top 10 um, items that can turn global warming around. So the first one, interestingly, according to Paul Hawken in his wonderful book, Drawdown, the most comprehensive plan ever proposed to reverse global warming, is Refrigeration management, i.e. having to do with Freon. One of the companies that A Better World is connected with is doing just that on a very massive scale. So that and food waste is another. Food management altogether is the larger rubric, and food waste is outrageous. It there aren't words to describe when we have hungry people all over the world and the amount of food that's wasted in New York City alone is it's enough to make you weep, just to weep when you think about the way people eat and their patterns and their habits and the waste that is involved is is enough and you think about the people who have nothing. It's it's beyond comprehension. It's beyond comprehension. I said I'd mention a solution 
to the methane that is generated from commercial hog farms and cattle farms. And I'm making a big distinction between commercial agriculture and organic and silvopasture um, and uh, uh, natural organic uh, cow cattle grazing. Um, so in this case of commercial, enormous vats, a tonnage of waste material comes daily, literally daily. Well, A Better World is also connected to a company that is taking them and putting those into anaerobic biodigesters and producing biogas, a totally natural, as you can hear, a renewable source of energy. And they are in dialogue with some of the major trucking fleets across the country and Canada to convert their engines to the use of biogas. So these are just some of the many, many measures that are taking place uh, to reverse this current situation. I'm letting you know, folks, that the solutions outpopulate the problem. <laughs> That's an important point. The solutions outweigh the problems. The problems are enormous. And I won't suggest for a moment that they're not daunting in magnitude. However, I am also saying that human ingenuity and kindness and respect for the earth and for life itself is also enormous. And we are taking proper measures to turn things around. There is damage done. There are tipping points passed that will not ever be reversed. I am aware. But there are others that are very much within our domain and our control and about which we can do a lot. So that's today's show, my friends. I hope you enjoyed it. I want to remind you that we have special services available, um, counseling and coaching, individual, couples, family, uh, stress management consulting using biofeedback, um, executive counseling and coaching um, and consulting for uh, startup companies and others that are interested in instituting human and eco-friendly values in their in their corporate culture. I think this is a move that we need to really look at. Uh, sustainability, we have done interviews around this. Um, so I would just really recommend you're visiting our website, MitchellRabin.com, M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L dot Rabin, R-A-B-I-N, how could I forget? And, of course, abetterworld.tv. We have a free newsletter. Please sign up for it. Uh, And we have a weekly TV show every Monday at 7, which can be watched on public access in Manhattan, New York City, Nueva York, or online through our website. Just click on the upper right-hand corner where it says, revealingly, click to watch. And then click through once you get to that site. 
it carries you to. Click a couple of times, and you're there. I'd recommend you get there a few minutes before 7 o'clock, Eastern Daylight Time or Eastern Standard Time, for that matter, and uh, tune in, and you'll enjoy. We have Lynn McTaggart on again this coming Monday at 7 so, we are also a nonprofit, my friends, that's 501c3, and for any of you who are able to make contributions to help keep us thriving and sustaining on the air um, and expanding our platform, it is so appreciated. Or if you want to remember us after you uh, have used much of your resources, and uh, legacy giving is another opportunity, we welcome all we Totally appreciate your time and attention to a better world and any way you can participate. I'm also looking for interns to help with administration, uh, video library, editing, and um, some graphics work as well in our office here in New York City. So if interested, please call 212 420 0800. That's 212-420-0800, or you can uh, email me directly at mjr at abetterworld.net. That's mjr at abetterworld.net. I want to just thank you all for listening and spreading the good word about what we're up to here, and I look forward to seeing you all next week.